I pray that I speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In 1956, a new Bishop of London was announced. It was Henry Montgomery Campbell, the Bishop of Guildford, who had made a bit of a name for himself there for his dry humor. He wasn't very impressed by the clergy of the Guildford Diocese. He used to hold two garden parties a year for them and said that he invited all the stupid clergy to one and all the rest to the other, but he never told them which was which. Once in London, it was his duty, as we see it still is today, for the bishop to identify good prebendaries for the cathedral. He wrote to the then vicar of Holy Trinity Brompton, the Reverend Patrick Gilliatt. Kindly be a prebendary, he wrote. The duties are not onerous. The rewards are even lighter. You do have to behave decently, though, when you go to St. Paul's, but I hope that will not deter you from accepting. Well, it's true, of course, that not all clergy are fireflies in the dark night of this world, but today nothing could be further from the truth because this cathedral today welcomes two new prebendaries, Alan and Bishop Rick, who, in their different ways, in spirit and profoundly encourage the Christian and the local communities in which they share oversight. And we need to return to that in just a moment. But those of you who are visiting might be wondering what you've walked into, lots of processing about and formal language. Don't worry, we all wonder that from time to time here, especially those of us in charge of it. So let's just remind ourselves of the basics. This is seeking to be a Christian place, a place of Christian worship and learning, of meeting, and hopefully from time to time, a place of courage. And because it's seeking to be Christian, it has at its heart two perceptions of Christian faith. The first is that God has given you a great gift. It's your life, your being. There's something fragile but unique about you. And the gospel urges us to understand that you are worth much more than the worst thing you have ever done. And there's a gift that you're asked to give back in return. You're becoming who you become as a human being. It's hard work. And Christians know that conversion of life into the likeness of Christ takes a lifetime and more. You heard the man whose name is given to this place, Paul, saying just now, I don't do what I want to do, I do the things I hate. We're complex, bruised, we have histories. So you have to be prayerfully serious about spiritual adventure if it's going to mean any change in and through you. But the Christian faith is always asking us to learn what it means to love your neighbor as yourself, not hate your neighbor as yourself. It's not asking you to think less of yourself, but to think of yourself a bit less 
and it's part of your return gift for being here. And the second perception of Christian faith and which we try to build our life on here and in all Christian communities is that the world, well, it's got its wrong in many ways. Living is not about spending money you don't have on things you don't want in order to impress people you don't like. Life is not behaving as if it's just survival of the fittest, but not being able to say fit for what. Human dignity is not established by going with indifferent crowds or joining the noise of now, but about committing yourself to a purpose, to the things that matter. Because the truth is in this life, if you don't stand for something, you'll probably fall for anything. Or as another bishop, Augustine said, hope has two beautiful daughters, anger at the way things are, and courage to put them right. Hope, Christian hope, must be able to take the temperature of the times, like Jeremiah, run to and fro the streets of the city, look around and take note. And Christian hope must look into the future and then report back to be loyal to a shared future and to work for that society based not on the world's competition or consumerism, but on citizenship and community where we are judged only on our love of neighbor and stranger, of justice, the overlooked, the marginalized. And if that's not of any interest to you, then the Christian faith won't be either. Christian spirituality is the business of speaking for others. And when the truth is told, a new world is made possible. You see, for all the formalities of an occasion like this, there is something subversive here. What I mean is that Christian faith is a subversion of the narrative of the world that we're often made to live by, the dominant version of reality. Electronic, economic, technological messaging of what must be if you're in the so-called real world. Consumerism, greed, and then the consequent alienation, despair, brutality, shaping a world in which only the privileged have a chance to live well. That dominant normative view of who's in charge, of what should be the order, an uncritical acceptance of the centrality of the market, of aggression, of gladiatorial combat as the energy of life, all that eats into our lives, tiring us out into jaundiced versions of what we could and might be. And Christian faith rejects it. So people of faith sing out a new version of reality, like Mary in her Magnificat. That's why we sing it every evening here. It is a subversion, a subversion a counterpoint, a resistance, a version of reality that lies deeper below the dominant narrative. And every faith-filled, hope-filled, love-filled word and action 
whether it's liturgical poetry or gesture, whether it's word, dream, or prayer, is part of that subversion of reality. Lying low beneath the radar surveillance of the dominant and taking the name Kingdom of God. So to end where we began with Alan and Bishop Rick, two people working to ensure that this Christian subversion is alive and bringing life where it matters. In Alan's life, that means in a parish, in a locality, working in partnerships for the common good, being present as a Christian leader and a colleague in a very diverse part of this city, being near to people's lives. Alan's work and the ministry of his community in the Grenfell tragedy, the tragedy that continues to this day, is a cause of deep gratitude. And we give thanks to God this evening for him and for his ministry and for the people of St. Clement and St. James and all those who joined them from other faith communities and local groups together, bringing hope and healing to a grieving darkness. And Bishop Rick's life and ministry equally immersed in that Christian subversion, seeking to help the church identify and plant and develop and grow new Christian worshiping communities that can work together and alongside our parishes and settled ministries in order to reach out to people through new relationships. Whether it's planting a team in an estate, starting a church in a school, establishing a mission community in a hard to reach place. If we believe Christ and Christ's wisdom as having the true potential for transforming lives and communities, then we need his imagination and outreach and discernment and the ability to take risks. It's another way of getting near to people and inviting them on that spiritual adventure. And so here we will pray for parishes and for pioneers. Bishop Montgomery Campbell was probably right about being a prebendary. The duties are not onerous and the rewards are even lighter. But to be Christians together with Sarah, our bishop, and to be privileged as priests and people committed to the way and ways of Jesus Christ, well, nothing is more beautiful or good for the soul and nothing more urgent and vital for this self-destructive, distracted world that needs saving from itself. So for this faith, for this place as it seeks to live the vision of God's kingdom and for our two new prebendaries and those they serve, thanks, true thanks to the subversive God.